0: This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants. And the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety. And it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com And use promo code XIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com. Promo code XIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside Now this is a game changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far, they've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL. We are rolling and I'm here with my good friend, Donny, AKA Savage.
1: How's it going today, brother? What up, dude? Feeling good. Been in the studio all day with a friend, Johnny Buffalo, an amazing beatboxer. And yeah, we're going to sit down and have a chat. What's up? Hell yeah, dude. Thanks for being here. Um, you
0: know, you're one of my favorite artists and uh, we learned about I learned about you for the first time right around the time you released your first album, Solstice. And that's become one of my favorite albums of all time. And I'm hard to impress. You know what I mean? Like I listen to Tool and Nine Inch Nails and like some Mm. master level shit, but you've jumped right up there with them. So I just got to say thank you, brother, for what you're doing uh, for the music realms and for Gaia and just your whole mission is so awesome. And I really resonate with it. So just thank you, brother.
1: Yeah, man. Totally. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah. wow <laughs> yeah absolutely man yeah. but uh i wanted to say you know one of the the newest things from you is your live and vision set and it freaking blew me out of the water um mm-hmm. i tell this story i've told a couple of people now about how i don't know how but somehow you always hit me up at the most synchronistic times and it's like how did donnie know i took medicine i, I don't know <laughs> but anyway you sent me like an early preview of the Envision set like a day before it released and I was on some medicine and I sat with it and it freaking blew my mind dude (laughs) that stage was so sick the music so sick the community your performance all of it was just like 10 out of 10 and um, I remember you saying one time when we were hanging out that you felt like you maybe had been holding this intention to manifest a set at Envision for quite a while. Like it was something that you were really looking forward to happening, but it's almost as if you knew it would happen eventually. And mm. it, what blew my mind so much about it was like Envision kind of changes their, their stages. They have different themes and they look different ways and different years, but that was a savage set. That was a savage mm. theme. That was a savage stage. You know, and I've, I know a lot of other people played on it, but it was just so perfect for your vibe, man. Like, I just wanted to say, what's that about? Like, tell us the story about why you wanted to play it in Vision. How did you feel? Like, maybe you manifested it, or, or, you know, like, how did you you magnetically drew that experience, and the world is so much better for it because it's such a freaking amazing set. So yeah, just, just take us on that path a little
1: bit. Mm, well, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. And yeah, that was <clears throat> definitely a dream visualization come through. And I've been holding that, you know, closely for a while. I mean, Envision is, you know, one of the top few festivals Of which their ethos I'm just in total resonance with. The people behind it, the unreal, unreal caliber of love and production that goes into that festival. It's hard to believe while you're looking at it. It's crazy. And yeah, like the Luna stage, you know, was the stage that I've always wanted to play, Uh, you know, a nighttime Luna set. And when we got there, because, you know, Luna doesn't open until Wednesday, uh, but we i was able to like creep back there they were actually still building the stage and see it and it looked like a fucking mirage dude like oh. i was like there's no way that's really what i'm looking at right now and it was <laughs> like none of the lights or lasers or anything like that none of the projection mapping and i about hit my knees dude i was like oh my god that is wild and um so yeah i mean. I've been really holding that vision for a long time. I didn't know when it was going to happen. But you know, obviously, I'm a full body believer that when you really intend to manifest something like manifestation is the sum of intention plus action right like it's mm-hmm. not just one thing that you just like oh i'm going to think about this and it's going to happen and it's not just like oh well, i'm going to do it without thinking about it or being intentional about every move that i make towards a goal it's it's the sum total of, of all of those things and so intention plus action right is just kind of how i've been living my life obviously and so mm-hmm. when you live and operate out of that ethos, unavoidably, the universe conspires in your favor to, to, to give you the things that you're working toward, right? And or, or rather to, to put choices in front of you that allow you to decide um, kind of how the potentialities are going to flow for you. And so mm-hmm. the way the way that I linked up with everybody that ended up getting making that happen for me was locked and loaded with synchronicities Uh, (laughs) i mean crazy and then you know super long story short just to give like the the elevator pitch Mm -hmm. i was already in costa rica playing a different event this this opening of this retreat center and the launch of this fund this uh, visionary fund project and uh, david starfire was going to play selva armonia which is owned and operated by one of the founders of envision and he saw that i was in town so he hit me up he's like hey you want to come play selva tonight Mm -hmm. uh so shout out david starfire he helped out (laughs) on this one and he was like he was like you know you can meet the envision crew i was like uh yeah i'll be there i'm already in town so i'm like 10 minutes away and uh i was already gonna be there so i went over there went and played uh one of the founders of Envision, who was there he was like blown away by the set that i played and and afterwards he was like just telling me he was like jesus like whatever and i was like i'm just saying dude envision is a bucket list for me straight up and he's like you passed the interview i'll be in touch and i was like no way yeah i was like no way dude and then like (laughs) a couple of months passed and i hadn't heard anything and i was just like you know whatever and then Sure enough, their booking person hit me over. Like, we want you, like, prime time on Luna stage. I was like, whoa, let's go. Wow. So, yeah, it was really cool. And, I mean, you know, I told people in the beginning of my set, obviously, I was like, bro, straight up, I've been visualizing this moment for years. Right. And look where we are. Like, you know, just like... Let people know that, like, bro, like, you can... (laughs) If you work with that intention and action combo constantly, like it's it's harder for you to not get the thing than it is for you to get the thing, and like mm-hmm. you know, you have to just make conscious decisions, and it's always work, and each step mm-hmm. is another step towards the thing. It's not like it's just going to fall in your lap magically, but when you work out of that ethos, like the thing will come to you. Absolutely, well said. That's an
0: awesome story. Um, <clears throat> when you intend to manifest something. Do you kind of do like a mental affirmation almost like i'm going to play that
1: and you just like as a knowing all the time yeah and i think and speak as if i already have the thing i think that that's somehow like super important yeah super important to that like but yes i I tell myself like yes this is going to happen not like i i want this or like especially never i need this it's like this is this is going to happen and then You know, my intention generally for for especially like something at Envision or whether it's music related or or whatever is also generally to assist other people in some way, you know, to an equal or greater capacity that I'm assisting myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I make music and create experiences with the intention of like really bridging a gap in people's psyche between the ancient and the future, and between cultures and the boundaries that we've placed around ourselves and our culture and our belief systems of what music is or can be, of what culture is or can be, of what psychedelics is, are or can be. Mm-hmm. And like you know, people really—that's why Envision was so special to me because I knew that the people there would be so receptive to, to picking up what I'm trying to put down, and and they were, and it had a really big impact. It had a big impact bringing the Yawanawa out on stage.
0: Yeah, that was um, so magical.
1: Yeah, I was like crying. Like, I'm just being honest. I
0: was like <laughs> crying
1: of the beauty. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people said that, man, and like it was cool because we. We didn't even know. We, we didn't even know. So it was super last minute. I, I already had a, a whole day studio session playing with them to record off site for a charity album that I'm making right now. Mm-hmm. But we the Envision set pop up on Luna thing was super last minute. And like we didn't have a track. So I made like a, a quick like edit of a different track. And mm-hmm. uh, I got the backline Shout out Martin, stage manager at Luna. Dude went way out of his way. To like make sure we had all the backline we needed all the mics the monitors everything we we're just like popping up for one song we're like we're gonna do it dude like whatever and uh yeah it went it went amazingly obviously and we brought them out and like I was looking at people's faces and I kind of got it a little bit but I still didn't realize because we were just like doing what we do and like just expressing the thing that we this just this is like living our life like that's just straight up like mm-hmm. expressing the vibe that we always express regardless yeah but I didn't realize how well it would be received by everybody. And so like when I got off the stage at the end of my set, people ran up to me like the performance coordinator and a couple other people involved in the festival. And they were like, dude, like, I can see it in your face that you have no idea how historic that was. And I was yeah. like, damn, really? it <laughs> like, felt like, like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's like that for real. And they were like, dude, yeah, yes. was like, damn. It
0: felt so celebratory. Of what has given us so much, you know, you didn't just do it for you, Donnie, you did it for us all, you know, like these Ayahuascaros are healing the planet, they deserve celebration, truly, like, I love them. And I just love that we can celebrate them in that way. So thank you for doing that yeah that. yeah
1: they do and they also deserve um some of some of the modern comforts that they that they don't have that you know of course they they, they live these lives but yeah. so what we're trying to do with those two brothers in particular through uh, an organization a nonprofit called futuro nativo uh-huh. is we're trying to raise eighty thousand dollars for them to get solar panels in their village because they're running on a diesel generator and obviously it's polluting their sacred land and they hate mm-hmm. it and it doesn't even give them the power requirements that they need anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's like, you know, a solar panel project that we're trying to fund. That's why I'm making the the album as well. I recorded six of their, of my favorite Yaoanao medicine songs and mm-hmm. uh, we're putting together an album for charity. To try to raise awareness and to raise money you know obviously music doesn't really make that kind of money music sales these days uh, mm-hmm. but you know just to raise awareness and to do what we can we're also in the very early stages of of planning some shows with them in the us oh. uh so that'll be happening like fall winter and uh yeah those dudes are awesome we soul bonded just like fucking immediately and You know we did, and they were so hyped to go on Luna stage. (laughs) (laughs) They were so hyped because they did some acoustic sets by the Sacred Fire at Mm -hmm. Envision, and it was a party, dude. It was so sick. I love the way that they do their acoustic stuff because it starts like with either no or really slow guitar, and then they it's the same song. They'll do a song, but it's really slow and like a prayer first. And then your boy will just start hammering the guitar and yeah. everyone just singing the same song way faster and hyper. And everyone right. just gets up and dances around the fire. It's such a vibe, dude. It's Absolutely.
0: Vibe. I haven't sat with that tribe, but I've sat, uh with another one that um, they did do that as well with the guitar where it's like, you know slower 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 boom let's go and then then you yeah, have the dancing and stuff that's, that's super awesome man um it's a
1: vibe because it, it brings you back into that sacred celebration like that sacred celebration is what i try to do with this with savage sets right and so mm-hmm. it's like with, with what they're doing with their acoustic sets, it's like you drop into that moment of prayer and gratitude and just like remembrance and just reverence. And then, but it's like those two things don't have to be separate, right? It's like they, mm-hmm. you, you, you drop in for a quick 30, 45 second prayer and then it's just back to the celebration and everyone's just like making trains and yeah. going around the fire and just, you know, Love all it. that. It's a, it's a vibe. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. I look forward to
0: experiencing that with them. I'm sure I will at some point. Um, But to get back to the manifestation topic really quick, I think there's something to be said about knowing what's in your path to manifest instead of just kind of like trying to manifest something that's really not for you. You know what I mean? You can sit around and say, I want to manifest a mansion. Is that really what you need in your path? Maybe that's not going to manifest because it's not what you need right now. It's not the dharmic path you're on, but can can I manifest some experiences, some live experiences, some music, some art? Maybe that's in your path to manifest. What would you kind of say about, like, you know, you have to have, like, a good sense of what is for you and what isn't.
1: I mean, my input would be, you also have to have a sense of what's serving the collective as well. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the intentionality part. It's like, okay, you want to manifest a mansion. Who's that serving? Is that just like purely in service to yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it is, you you, you might not have the universe conspiring quite as hard as if, <laughs> as if your intentions were to, you know, literally serve the collective in some kind of beneficial way to provide remembrance or to assist into moving into this new age we're clearly collectively walking into, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, yeah, as far as staying in like your zone of creative genius and maximizing that i think there's a shitload of inherent value in like understanding your abilities and your like universe given gifts Mm -hmm. in order to you know express those things louder and louder and refine those things and just be a fountain of whatever creative input and output you have like to really to really refine that and then let that intentionality being birthing something that you know, again, like assist the collective in some way or another. And sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes self serving is is a means to doing that, at least for a little bit. You know, for instance, if you like need to, you know, birth a steady income in order to be able to do your thing, whatever that thing is, or whatever. And and mm-hmm. in order to get to that steady income you have to line this, this and this and this up. You know, like right. that's one thing. But you know, saying like, oh I want a mansion, that's a totally different situation
0: yeah totally. And I wanted to say something too about manifestation that it almost feels like <clears throat> as you it's a practice and and as you start realizing it's happening, it happens more, and it happens more quickly, and manifestations are happening at quicker and quicker rates. Um, it almost feels like the first one, two, five times you do it. They can be kind of far apart and they can be kind of minimal. I didn't manifest much. I manifested a tiny thing and then it was a long time. And then I manifested a tiny thing. But as you get like good at it, it's almost like you're making a song and the like the BPM, you know, you got to put the kick on the right BPM. So it's not like smudged up in there and it's like, yo, that's off timing. It's almost like you're making a song with your life with each manifestation. And it's like, boom, 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 boom 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 you know what I'm saying boom boom and like your life is becoming beautiful like a song you know would you would you agree with that
1: I mean I mean yeah and to your point yeah like I think uh I think collectively a lot of us are starting to see not only as a result of technology but the law of one talks a lot about this as well as well as numerous other philosophies but collectively I think we're starting to see The time period between uh, our expression of something that we're trying to call in and then that thing being birthed into our physical realities becoming shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also happening with technological advancements. Obviously, we're very rapidly approaching what Terrence McKenna talked about as the singularity, which is the time frame between paradigm shifting innovation and technology becoming smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually it just And, you know, with machine learning, we're going to see that come to fruition, like, really soon. And it's going to be super bizarre. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously, occurrences in life seem to happen that same way. And to your point about synchronicities or manifestation or whatever happening. And they're linked,
0: you know. Like, synchronicities are, like, the middle points between manifestations.
1: Of course. Of course. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, like, to, to your point about them happening more and more, you know, as you said, the better you get at it. I think like when you can really see and appreciate and take in and express gratitude for those types of God winks and those types of things coming into your life, like living in that state of presence and gratitude just calls more of it in. And like, That's, I think that's the, the reason for that, right? And then you're also your eyes are open to pay attention to whatever synchronicities are clearly trying to tell you something. I mean, your, in, your external reality is always a reflection of your internal reality. So that's mm-hmm. unavoidable and like when you can really believe that and pay attention to the things that happen to you and understand them as catalysts and understand like what it is that you need to be seeking or paying attention or what step you might need to take for this or that you can kind of play the universe like a mystery game it also keeps (laughs) it from getting boring yeah and for me following that mystery game has led to everything that i am and do and has happened for me so
0: yeah a hundred percent yeah and i see it you know i know everyone that as a fan of you sees it happening and, and we're also happy for you, you know? Um, thank you. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to say, yeah, okay, hold on, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got it. So it's that if the universe does grant you a manifestation and you don't kind of bow to the universe and say, thank you. I see the manifestation and thank you and and that bring the gratitude in. It's almost like it will you know, it does it's not like it's actually saying this, but it's almost like hey, you weren't grateful for that last one, so what makes you think I'm going to give you another one? You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you want these manifestations, you want to bring these intentions into your life and 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 create these things, do these things like you have to be grateful for when they do happen and actually feel it in your heart you know what i mean like thank you for that experience and then the universe says ah he gets it you know let's keep let's keep giving him some more
1: do <laughs> you agree yeah, i mean i think there's some really deep nuances to what you're talking about like like we're using the term universe right but like that term is honestly synonymous with the unconscious mind the subconscious yeah. mind and yeah. like in my opinion and in my studies like that's the thing that's truly calling everything in is that large portion of your mind that's underneath the tip of the iceberg that we don't tend to have conscious access to mm-hmm. um and you know it, it, it's it's a situation of positive reinforcement. Like, of course, that that latent function of your mind is not going to continue calling things in that you're not expressing gratitude for or that aren't in alignment for you. If you're trying to go down the wrong path, and then you're just mm-hmm. wanting the mansion or whatever. Right. Like you're not going to like there has to be some type of systematic alignment in order for all the puzzle pieces to line up for for your subconscious to start like truly affecting the field of probability and then bring those things into your conscious awareness one by one. Right. Which is probabilities and decisions and each of the decisions that are presented to you through these synchronicities also have to be followed. Like the trail has to be followed to the thing. Right. So like you're presented with conscious decisions that, you know, generally reflect your intentionality. Like, well, if I go this way, or if I go this way, you know, and like, right. When you, when you kind of solve the puzzle is when, is when the thing's waiting for you at the end of the rainbow, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a proactivity, um, a little bit of like a hustle too. You've got to kind of work, because if these opportunities start aligning and the manifestation's trying to occur, but you get lazy and you drop the ball and you forgot to respond and, oh, shit, you know, I messed up. It's like, dude, the manifestation was there, but you had to plug it in. You had to take it to the, the wall socket and, you know, and if you don't do that, it's unplugged and it's going away. I don't know. That's just a thought that came to my mind. Of course. You, you got to yeah. work, you know, and that's the work of it. It's not just sitting around, I'm going to manifest this and it just pops into your room you know mm-hmm. like we know that's not going to be it but it's a deep topic you know but i think we touched it pretty well and, and i think that um people will have like a decent understanding as to what we're trying to say when we say manifestation because it's, it's widely kind of like uh misunderstood you know like they people think of it as airy fairy like you can't really do that like that doesn't make any sense you know i know there's the secret and the secret is very simple. And it's just like, think, think about it and it'll come. And it's like, no, it's not quite that easy, but that does get you going down the right track. I think,
1: um, it's also a slippery slope that can lead to spiritual bypassing though, like really quickly and like avoiding doing the things and, and, and the real 3d actions that require that are required. (laughs) I mean, I've certainly never thought something into being without doing anything about those thoughts i mean right. I, you know i don't know maybe some people do that that's great but um you know i think a lot of the woo woo kind of uh a, a connotation that's been um, associated with that word manifestation mm-hmm. is 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 feels woo woo because a lot of time it's spoken about without the action part like just the intention part right it's like yeah oh i mean like you said like oh well, i'm just gonna think about this thing and call it into my life well I don't know, dude. I mean, good luck, but I wish you the best, but you know, certainly in my experience, <laughs> I have to like really visualize the thing and then visualize the steps I need to take to get the thing and then exactly. do those steps, you know, hundred percent. And Nailed the universe it. totally seemingly magically supports the whole process. And when you're, right when you, when it feels like it's too far away or you'll be reminded you know that it's not through some of these synchronicities and things will line up for you but it's like mm-hmm. th- it only it only seems to conspire if you're also putting in that action you know right 100 percent. love that
0: <sighs> okay well to move on to the next topic um you had recently done a san pedro ceremony th- that is one of the only medicines i have yet to use I've used Mm -hmm. almost every other psychedelic medicine, and I have tried peyote in a very small amount. I'd say it was like two grams of peyote, which isn't a lot of peyote. Um, But I did get an effect, and it was nice. So I've tried, quote-unquote, mescaline. But uh, for the listeners, you know, I'd love to hear about your ceremony, um, how it went, you know, any insights you brought back. But also, if you would just tell us what San Pedro is and maybe what mescaline is and how is it different than an ayahuasca or a psilocybin
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> so san pedro or wachuma before the conquistadors took over it was called Huachuma. it's been called wachuma for thousands of years um the, they actually kind of catholicized it and told them that they could continue their tradition if they Catholicized it. And so they named it San Pedro, which is obviously St. Peter, mm. who in the Christian mythos kind of holds the keys to heaven or whatever. And so, but, uh, you know, in terms, of, in terms of the cactus itself, I mean, mescaline is a, is a phenethylamine. It's not a tryptamine, so it's chemically different. Um, it does have affinity at the same receptors. It's somewhat similar, but it's mescaline is very much more of a masculine energy. Obviously, it's called the grandfather to ayahuasca, being the grandmother. Yeah. And um, at so, I mean, there are many scales of experience with cactus. Like you can go like full-blown, visionary, fractal, geometric, uh, mm. you know, all that jazz. Oftentimes, it's not the case. You kind of got to take a lot to get there. Mm -hmm. oftentimes in like what we do at these ceremonies that we do over in the swamp in louisiana is like um you know kind of like moderate to medium dosing and it's much more of like a community kind of experience and not necessarily like a lay down close your eyes go deep inward kind of experience we're out Mm -hmm. in nature communing with nature my favorite shit on earth to do is to just be um, you know deep in the Wachuma and like float out on my back in the basin and just let the sun like beam on my skin while I'm floating in like cool water and just like mm-hmm. float and just be and like look at all I love Louisiana dude and I love the swamp and obviously and, and it just mm-hmm. Wachuma is such a nature connected medicine it just like really really taps you into something so primordial within the swamp and that's why a lot of people who go down there and, and hang in these ceremonies with us like a lot of them we love bringing people who aren't from louisiana right down there it's amazing to witness because a lot of times people have these like preconceived notion of the swamp and stuff and like sure. ooh this or that or got alligators this or that and i mean at 100 of the time everyone leaves just understand is how magical and mystical and sacred of a place that it is and, yeah. and it has never been and will never be commercialized or commodified in any way because it can't because it's flooding all the time so right like, it's uh it, it can't and the, the even the clay in the soil is is so pure because it's never been farmed ever it's loaded with humic acid and fulvic acid that's been stripped from all of our soils mm. elsewhere and uh so you know but um did you have any like that's awesome specific questions <clears throat> about the experience itself or do you want me to just yeah
0: well i mean the visualizations you're floating on the back what's happening you know like are you having internal visions are you having downloads is it just like i'm just looking at trees you know because they they all have a different vibe you know like psychedelics they all look a little different i mean do you get the breathing you know like on psilocybin like i'm just curious how it's different because i haven't really sat with it
1: i mean again it's there's a dose response curve but like at the doses that i i most enjoy it's like like if I wanted to go like balls deep in like internal visions and stuff, so I would drink ayahuasca, right, mm-hmm. or take DMT or high doses of LSD or something. Yeah. So like Wachuma for me is is much more of a grounded experience. Like, yes, there are visuals. It's not really like the breathing. There's definitely tracers and the colors are crazy and everything just takes okay. on a different look that's not really articulatable obviously uh but i call it really, alien it just looks like really... we're
0: seeing the earth for what it is from an alien perception when i see the thing that you're saying is i can't articulate it it's like oh this is a planet in space holy shit like this is an alien <laughs> planet you know yeah, do you relate weird. to that
1: yeah, I mean, it's a fucking classic way of thinking on psychedelics because yeah, it pulls you out of your default mode network and our our tolerance to our the absurdity of this human experience is no different than tolerance to drugs, right? Like we're just so used to it and our creatures of habit that whenever you get pulled out of that default operating system and you interrupt the top-down signal modulation in your brain and just your natural neural wiring and your compartmentalized brain is suddenly on a conference call and all the networks are communicating with each other yeah i mean you definitely come into that realization like yo what the fuck (laughs) fingers i have opposable thumbs (laughs) right I can pick shit up like awesome eating that fucking orange. I'll just stare at an orange and just really appreciate this orange. And so like the experiences that we do down there, um, and, in Louisiana are like my, my two of my really dear friends built this crazy floating swamp Maloka. It's one of a kind. It's in the awesome. absolute middle of nowhere in the Atchafalaya basin. And it's like a 40 minute boat ride to get there from the nearest wow. land. And, so it's dope. huge it's the inside it's amazing and it's strapped to a f- another houseboat that is a floating kitchen and so like half of the experience is food and that's another thing to answer your question about wachuma it's like mm-hmm. there's nothing no substance that makes fruit taste better mm-hmm. than wachuma dude i swear mm-hmm. to god so uh, and uh, you
0: can eat
1: because i'm like psilocybin i don't want to eat Towards the no, towards the end of the the day. I mean, yeah, like lachuma lasts like I don't know, it would depend on how much you take and if you redose like between twelve and fifteen plus hours. So Damn. it's a full it's a full day ordeal. Yeah. So, you know, we go out there early in the morning and that's when you drink it and then mm-hmm. you know, by like five we're you know, you're salivating over this magnificent fruit tray that my dude makes. (laughs) And just like ridiculous dude, like jackfruit, watermelon, oranges, great. Like everything you could imagine. And then like, (laughs) grilled pineapple Fruit ceremony you'll, you'll grill a pineapple for like eight hours over coal on the back wow. of the boat on a barbecue yeah so <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah, but dude. when you
0: drink it is it like the same amount as
1: ayahuasca it's just a little cup or is it like you gotta it's drink a, little, a lot or it's a little cup i mean uh, that all depends on how it's cooked dude like you you know you boil it in more water than you reduce it to so how much you drink is always a function of how much you reduce how much water mm. you boil off got it so you know if you put 10 feet of cactus and you know uh let's just say like a quart mm-hmm. and you end up with a quart minus a little bit for what boiled off while you were cooking it so now you have 10 feet of cactus you know generally speaking one foot is like a dose depends on the cactus mm-hmm. but and then so now you have 10 doses and a little less than a quart and so you can boil that quart into a half a quart a pint and you can just get you have the same 10 doses now and half the liquid. So it depends on how much you reduce it, but generally, yeah, you reduce it to where it's like a cup, about a cup of liquid. And it's usually, it's vile, dude. Like it's not, it does not taste good and it hangs out on your taste buds for a little bit. But honestly, the the medicine that we drank last weekend was the least vile of it. They cooked it a different way. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, Is it worse than ayahuasca? The, so, all of the wachuma I've drank ever prior to last weekend, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. What does
0: it taste like? What would you say?
1: Tastes so, like dude.
0: Because uh, ayahuasca to me tastes like day old espresso with like molasses in it or
1: some shit. Yeah, like, ayahuasca's got like a licorice taste to me. Yeah. But yeah, I've drank, I've drank m- like numerous types of ayahuasca too and some were much worse than others and some I am like, not bad at all uh, like so far as brew is like not bad at all i could sip it on ice honestly mm. and it's very effective
0: what the, it makes yeah. me
1: think oh that's awesome
0: what it makes me think it tastes like if i just had to guess is one time i ate like an unripe pi- pineapple and it you know it's not sweet and it was hard and I just didn't know it was not ripe. And I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this pineapple's not easy to eat. Oh, this tastes terrible. You know, it's, it's just like this weird, dry, fruity, sour. Is it sour? Or what would you say? Ayahuasca or wachuma? Uh, San, uh, wachuma.
1: No, it's super bitter. And it's I like sticks to, your, sticks to your tongue. It all depends how it's cooked and reduced. But yeah, I mean... Right. It's yeah, it's super bitter. Like really, yeah. really bitter. That's the best way. Does it I almost taste it. like peyote? Um I, I don't did know. try peyote. You ate oh you, did you eat it or did you it was actually drink? capsules,
0: but I threw it oh. up and I could taste it on the way out. Oh good. <laughs> that man. was bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still trip. It was awesome.
1: But um Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's uh it's definitely we don't drink these things for the taste of them. Right.
0: Damn. That's awesome, man. I mean, I I don't know a lot about San Pedro. I mean, I did work on a film about it. So, I mean, I certainly know its lineage and stuff, but as far as, like, its effect, I just, you know, that's cool to know more about it now. And I do feel called to it. You know, like, some things I'm not called to, I've been not called to ayahuasca so many times. And then I was called to it, and then I did it, you know, and I was not called to Wachuma so many times. I've been invited a couple times, and but now I am. So that's the thing about psychedelics is like, you just got to listen to when it's the right time, you know, like sometimes it's offered. That doesn't mean you have to do it just because it's offered. It's just like, are you ready? Or do you feel the call? You know? So I like to echo that. I think a lot of people know that already, but I just like to uh, echo that. Um, Any last things before I move on to the next topic? No. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you about ketamine and synchronicity. So my last episode was very heavy on ketamine. Um, we talked about what happens during it. It's mind-blowing. It's, uni- it's cosmic. It, it feels like it feels like you can like connect dots in that ketamine state. You can see things more, a wider view of things. But also, I feel like there seems to be some big tie-in. ketamine and synchronicity um Mm -hmm. you know i've worked with the medicine over the years um a couple dozen times and it's almost like almost on every single one something clicks something happens something feels magical you know i'm I'm curious have you had that experience or and if so like how would you describe it
1: yeah i mean countless times and before i talk about ketamine on podcasts i always like to preface this by just saying like i think that anybody working with ketamine or dissociatives in any capacity should and needs to read the book ketamine dreams and realities by dr carl jansen i have it it's an absolutely amazing book and it goes through the pros the cons the largely unknown history of ketamine what it is how it works And and all of that, you know, because obviously it's important to, it's a, it's a really miraculously mysterious substance and it's important to go into it with as much understanding, uh, as possible of both the upside and the downside potentialities. So anyway, I agree. in terms of your question, yes, I've experienced that absolutely countless amount of times, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and It's really difficult to to wrap our minds around what exactly is happening but you know my best theory is that we're absolutely you know through the lens of the law of one that we're absolutely by detaching our awareness from our nervous systems which is how ketamine operates it blocks a glutamate receptor called nmda and at a dose responsive um you know as, as a function of a dose response curve, it it antagonizes, meaning it shuts off that receptor and what that receptor is responsible for doing is mediating the flow of a neurotransmitter called glutamate within your nervous system. and glutamate is an excitatory neurotransmitter. so that means that it allows for the proper electrical interaction between your neurons in both your brain and your spinal column. And so essentially, <clears throat> if you take enough ketamine, you are, shutting down your nervous system like a computer right Mm. and obviously consciousness mysteriously does not shut down when you do so neither does your autonomic nervous system ketamine does not reduce respiratory rate and and whatnot um you know the way that a lot more substances of its nature do and so it's it's a really interesting substance and they uh you know so whenever so it's my it's my personal theory that glutamate is what keeps our consciousness tethered to our nervous system it's what keeps us within this experience of individuality Mm. because our nervous system is powered on electrically literally it's a lot our electrical current is flowing in its full capacity um throughout our brain and spine and nervous system and so when you block that function um, you know, consciousness seems to most certainly become non local to the body and yeah. it absolutely reliably induces out of body experiences. And I'm not talking about like ketamine nasal sprays and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I'm talking about the 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 whole experience. Yeah. And it has to be done in the proper way, in the proper set and setting, the proper precautions need to be taken, the proper you know, right. proper everything, proper music is absolutely the most mm-hmm. important thing. And you know so because you become through the lens of the law of one you you remember and become the logos right mm-hmm. and so because when consciousness is not being funneled into a human vessel it's all pervasive right it's it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time mm-hmm. and so in separating during this experience and still having some semblance of your own individuality somehow Um, which can sometimes be lost during those experiences. But during the process of reintegration back into your nervous system, a lot of times is when you do the deepest work, when you begin to regain your sense of individuality. And what seems to me to be occurring as a function of direct experience for, you know, the last 10 or so years is like when you're in that state, like you seem to be able to, as a function of your thought processes, literally somehow affect the probability field or the, the the quantum realm in some way that i'm not claiming to understand i'm only claiming to have seen the fruit of it but yeah uh like it, it's it's a very real and visceral experience both while it's happening and then in the things that kind of follow you around after after yeah. the case right so wow. but yeah i mean Yes, that's really all I can all I can say there but yeah it's a very real phenomenon to be followed around it's actually a reported side effect of dissociatives not just ketamine um, like an increase in synchronicity or you know some institutions call it delusions of grandeur because all of a sudden yeah. you're thinking like oh well, this or this or this and they see they they, they right. see synchronicity and recognizing them and giving them merit as like psychotic or schizophrenic symptom right mm. and you know maybe sometimes it is when it's like to the you know, to a degree that you probably shouldn't sure. take it but um, I mean
0: if walking to the fridge to get a bottle of water is a, a big synchronicity for you yeah you might want to be worried
1: about that a little bit you know No totally yeah yeah it's a, it's definitely a spectrum of experience and 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 a spectrum of the merit that you give to any given experience you know as being synchronistic or whatever but um, it's it's a very very real phenomenon for instance I'll give you one real life example that's really crazy because it happened to both me and Brooke. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were both at a point when I lived at my old house where we really were just starting to look into moving. Mm -hmm. And like I wanted to look for a house in a different place and everything. And we both had this crazy ketamine experience like again it's like a deep whole experience eyes Mm closed sensory shut off eye mask everything internal visualization and like but full-blown 3d visuals right and Mm -hmm. i kept seeing towards the end this was multiple experiences not just one on different days Mm -hmm. i kept seeing this like tree line on the water Mm -hmm. and i thought it was the pearl river like, which is the river where it already was all the time. And so I was seeing this tree line and like water, like a river, or a lake or a canal or whatever right there. Yep. And then I would like spin around in the experience and I would see this like kind of back porch area with this specific metal shelf with plants on it and I was like what the fuck and then I told Brooke that and she was tripping and she was like no way like me too da, da, da. Wow! and like maybe a, a year after that I had moved I bought this house I had moved and I was standing in my backyard in, in my back patio and I had already obviously been in my own backyard a gazillion times and I'd looked at the water and I looked at the tree line across the water. Cause I live on a, on a canal that leads to a lake, but I live on a slough off of the main lake. It's probably like a 30 foot wide canal and a tree line. And I looked at it and I spun around and I looked at my back porch and I'll be damned if I didn't have the same ass looking metal rack full mm-hmm. of plants on my back porch. And I was like, what the fuck? I got crazy goosebumps and just was like, Holy shit. super wild, dude. Yeah. And so like that was, that was one of those things. And it's, it's definitely, it's definitely unexplainable. Like the yeah. exact mechanics of being outside of space time in such a way that like I was clearly viewing <laughs> some semblance of my future timeline in some way or another, while I was also trying to call that timeline in because I wanted yeah. to move so badly. And I wanted a property like I have now so badly. Yeah. And so Super weird though, dude. But yep. yeah, I think ten thousand
0: percent. That's exactly the type of thing I'm trying to say. I've seen that. And I've talked about this on endless podcast episodes. But how do we see our future? It doesn't make any sense. Does that mean the future is written? Can we diverge from it? Does it have to be that way? We, so many times, I've seen the same thing. I see a thing in a vision, and then later on, I you know I won't even be on any medicine. It'll just be like. Holy shit this is the thing from the vision
1: you know and yeah, I mean time is definitely non-linear obviously that's another thing that psychedelics tend to show people but it's it's more like a giant infinitely intricate web of cause and effect and so if our brains are natural predictive simulators then it also somewhat makes sense that like you would be able to predict a specific web of cause and effect based on your own dispositions and like certainly see something as a potential that could happen if you made such and such decisions along the path but then there's also certainly an element of the visualization aspect of it that's just entirely defies logic and just Mm. makes me default to the fact that space and time don't really exist according to the law of one obviously that's a third density concept and so you know if we exist in these multiple densities at the same time then you know all all things essentially are possible when you understand this third density illusion as as a mind matrix that we're literally dreaming into being through the use of light right and so it's like i don't know man but uh, you know while we're embedded in the human condition i think it's probably best that we don't know this type of shit
0: right it's interesting yeah um one thing coming to me is I heard this conspiracy theory, and it's just a theory, but I thought it was entertaining that aliens might have brought ketamine to help us understand some deep shit. Like ketamine kind of has a, it's very young, you know, like I think it was synthesized in like the sixties or seventies or Vietnam or something like that. Not too long ago, you know, less than a hundred years, but it just kind of popped out of nowhere. Um, I almost wonder, is there a cover up and is it an alien technology? I don't know. <laughs> it feels like it. I mean, I'm sure you've heard. I mean, I watched the Hamilton documentary about ketamine. I love it. This guy kn- like knows people who go on alien ships and get probed and meet aliens. I mean, it has got a very alien vibe to ketamine. Would Would you agree or is that plausible or just way too out there?
1: I don't know, man. I mean, I wouldn't be really surprised, honestly, but I can't say that I have any evidentiary basis to believe that. But like, you know, the book talks a lot about how the book Ketamine Dreams and Realities talks about like how it came into being. And, you know, I understand Surely, I'm definitely of the opinion that sources from outside of our planet have gifted us with technologies along the way here. Um, And, you know, some certain drugs may very well be you know, viewed as those technologies or biotechnologies, and may have been gifted to us in a similar way. Who knows? Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, to your point, it is a very alien experience, and I have had experiences with uh, like extra-dimensional beings using mm. ketamine, uh, no yeah. different than DMT or ayahuasca. But right. most of the time, in my experiences, it's it's not. It's it's much more of an inward, like psychedelics or could be viewed as just like infinitely intricate attention to detail and your attention and awareness are on the creation, like the physical world and everything, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. dissociatives and ketamine are like sensory shutoff as opposed to sensory overload. It's sensory shutoff and deprivation and internal void awareness. That's generally how my experiences Mm -hmm. are. While they can be very visual, the visuals tend to be thought forms that I'm generating, like, literally from my thoughts. I call it Sandman Sand because it's, like, it's made out of, like, the the visuals I see are made out of these um, kind of, like, particles that my mind is, like, generating. It's crazy, and it's, like, builds it out of sand and and stuff like that. But That's awesome. But, yeah. Um,
0: Just on a quick side note, I was curious. You said the music is very important um what type of music i mean you don't have to necessarily give me a song name or artist but just like what type of music is good for ketamine other than savage i will yeah (laughs) it is it is
1: i wouldn't recommend most of my music for ketamine it is uh Mm -hmm. people do it but that's not my that's not my jam like Mm -hmm. uh you need a very specific vibe and again i'm talking about full doses that cause the full k-hole experience not yeah like you know using it at a festival or whatever to dance or you know whatever this is a totally different thing it may as well be viewed as a different drug but like Mm -hmm. um you know you need music that's largely non-rhythmic and full of pads and ambient sounds that connect you that make you feel connected and i absolutely will plug my friends liquid bloom and perangi from the kuya uh sessions the the kuya kura sessions uh the full kira journey mix is something they brought me along for the ride while they were making it and i was guinea pigging it for them and uh it was absolutely a game changer and i was like dudes do y'all even know what you just did <laughs> so uh yeah so you can listen to the kuya kira full journey mix on spotify now or on youtube anywhere and i absolutely recommend that beyond anything else for deep ketamine experience they and nailed that. it
0: Amen. Yeah. I don't believe, I I don't even know why that didn't come to my mind when I asked the question, but you know, as soon as you said it, I was like, yes, spot on. Cause same thing, you know, I've had a handful of journeys, um, with, uh, I think there's three of them now, probably at least one journey with each. They're all magical in their own way, but definitely atmospheric and ambient, um, shamanic, you know, like healing. Right. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, Hmm. This is kind of funny question. So you said you had some experiences with extraterrestrials, whether on DMT or on ketamine. I was just having a talk the other night in the patio with my friend about this. Um, You know, we we get this intuition that soon the aliens are going to reveal themselves. I'm probably not the only person saying that. People feel like it's coming. It's like in the next year, two years, they're going to show themselves. Do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? Do you think they're smart? Are they just violent? Okay. Because I get the sense that they're maybe going to be peaceful, tactical, strategic, not like let's go kind of blow their shit up. But yeah, do you think they're good or bad? What do you think?
1: Do I need you to rephrase the question. Do I think aliens are good or bad? Yeah. I don't think anything is good or bad. First of all, I think that things are either in service to themselves or they're in service to the collective, Mm. which also sometimes reflects within service to yourself. If the service to yourself is being executed again, like I said earlier to, in order to, you know, somehow in some way assist the collective. So I think good and evil are definitely in my cosmology are, and this is an opinion, sure, but Mm -hmm. are, are human constructs and, again, like a better way to view them is service to self or in service to the collective, right? And so, um, and I think that to put a blanket over extraterrestrials that may find themselves here, which I think is very clear and widely believed at this point that they've already found themselves here and are likely visiting us right now, um, are like probably going to be vastly different from one another and each have their own intentions or agenda for being here. Sure. Some of them might be, you know, self-serving in some way and others certainly in my experience seem to be trying to, to guide us and facilitate our evolution yeah. In some way or another, and it seems that these beings have been doing this for a very long time. For anybody who's unfamiliar with this concept, you should start by reading Graham Hancock's book, Supernatural Meetings with the Ancient Teachers of Mankind. It'll change your life, mm. especially if you don't believe stuff like this. But, um, mm. Yeah. I mean, in my personal experiences, I've had, as we've spoken about on other episodes of your podcast, and I'll be diving in on my podcast eventually when Mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable talking about the full stories. But I've had encounters with numerous beings very many times now who most certainly seem to be guiding our evolution. And it seems to be what they do is this particular race or species, whatever you want to call it, is seems to be facilitating the evolution of various planetary species at different mm-hmm. places in the galaxy, apparently. And uh, I mean, I'm talking about some real guardians of the galaxy type shit, dude. <laughs> and it's crazy to mm-hmm. think about because the majority of us are still existing within a paradigm of thinking that we're alone in the universe, which is fucking absurd to me but yeah you know whatever and uh you know i think Disclosure, everybody's waiting for disclosure. If disclosure is happening. No one's okay. going to, Joe Biden's not going to get on the podium and just tell everyone, hey, there's aliens. Like, they're going to do it in a very strategic way so as to not cause chaos. And that's the smart thing to do. It's just yeah. the reality of the situation. Most of us are still indoctrinated into certain religions that totally forbid thinking of that nature and different cultural programs that, um you know, aren't going to mesh whenever the... You know whether it's the problem or the solution Mm -hmm. exists outside of our world that is going to shatter paradigms. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, backtracking to your first question. Yeah. No, I don't think any of them are good or bad. I think they have an intention. Mm -hmm. Whether that intention is to serve themselves and potentially put us in harm's way, sure, that's possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely that that there's you know, some form of empathy or compassion or something in the situation. But I think that the ultimate reality is that there's going to be both and that there is both and that there has been both for thousands of years and that yeah. they've been working behind the scenes. And that I think that honestly, as I hate to say this. I think that anyone who fully disregards that as total impossible nonsense is simply not well-read enough. Or hasn't taken enough psychedelics. <laughs> as much as I hate saying that, like it, like right. drink enough ayahuasca or smoke enough DMT, you absolutely will have an encounter with an extra-dimensional intelligence. Yeah. And this is now being studied. Thankfully, I had uh, Andrew Gallimore on my podcast, and we were discussing yeah. DMTX, the extended state DMT program that's operating in two different places. Uh, you know, they're putting people on an IV titrated drip of DMT. Which very reliably induces these encounters. And the purpose for the program is to examine these beings, the examine the encounters of these beings, right? And it, it varies from something that's, that feels more like hyperdimensional in nature to straight up being on a fucking Star Trek style spaceship, which is what has happened to me and mm-hmm. other people that I know and, and interacting very, very distinctly, like having a conversation with an an entity that is very alien and Mm -hmm. like most certainly not of this earth. And, um, you know, I've learned things that I like I've brought back information that I could not have possibly known. For instance, one of the first encounters I had, I think I talked about this on the last time I came on your podcast, but Mm -hmm. I was literally shown the mechanics of how solar flares work. Super Mm -hmm. random and wild. I hadn't been researching or thinking about solar flares. And that's what they wanted to show me. The reason for that became apparent eight years later, but Mm -hmm. it was like, which is something I'll be talking about on my podcast, but like it's, uh, yeah, it's just super wild dude. And, and it's a phenomenon that should be front page news, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for other very obvious reasons, it can't be. And that's just how it is. You know, and we have to we have to deal with that. But we're in an age now where it also can't be suppressed thanks to the internet and thanks to community-driven platforms and whatnot. Like there's only a certain level of censorship that can happen. And it can it can only happen at the mainstream level. But that also creates problems and conspiracy groups and people Seeking platforms and making shit up, or what's worse than making shit up is lining shit with semblances of truth, starting with truth and then embellishing the fuck out of it, which a lot of these like mm-hmm. social media people tend to do with their, right. I won't obviously. Mm -hmm. I don't have the the desire to call anybody out but like there there are some people with massive platforms that are most certainly just really milking it and like Mm -hmm. charging people for access to their this or that and Mm -hmm. telling them the information is coming from this or that and I'm not here to judge any of that, but I, I'm not sure that's the right way to ease the population into the true gnosis that, like, we're not alone and that these beings have been assisting us for millennia. Right. And so, but yeah, I guess that's right. pretty much all I can say on yeah. that. But it this makes sense. That, is
0: happening. Right. It makes sense that they would be behind, like, the pyramids of Giza to me. I mean, how, no one knows how they were made. It seems impossible. So it seems like. Aliens or alien technology or maybe just lost earth technology. I I don't know, but it makes sense to me that like a UFO just floated it all together real quick or something,
1: you know? (laughs) And that might be the case. And I mean, the mathematical precision of the pyramid, especially the great pyramid of Giza is, is, is communicatory it's not it's not the numbers that went into its architecture are also communicatory of knowledge that even if they were built by man shouldn't have been known probably couldn't have been known for instance okay. if you take the base perimeter of the great pyramid at Giza and you measure it in any unit of measurement and you multiply that unit of measurement by 43200 which is a very special number to me Mm-hmm. and is the basis of all of my personal synchronicities and the reason I tune my music to 432 hertz and da-da-da. Mm-hmm. If you measure the perimeter of the base pyramid, any unit of measurement, multiply it by 43,200, you get the equatorial perimeter of the Earth. Wow. If you measure the Great Pyramid from where the top of the capstone would have been down to the base, and you multiply that by 43,200, any unit of measurement, you get the radial diameter of the Earth, meaning from the North Pole to the core of the planet. How the fuck... Would you know that? It's obviously not an accident. The Great Pyramid at Giza is a mathematical resonant relationship to the actual volume of the planet, the size of the planet Mm -hmm. and its proportions. And that is just like absolutely mind-boggling. And, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, let alone just
0: like the, the, the feet of the building, the magic and the details too definitely speaks volumes. Some people think, There's an upside down pyramid beneath it, too. Have you ever heard about that? It's like, Mm. and it's it was actually just an artistic depiction, and it's probably just fantasy, but it's a cool idea. And it it showed like this ship taking off, it was the pyramid finally lifting off. I (laughs) I thought it was.
1: Probably we probably know if there was an upside down pyramid right there, but yeah, I will say that Egyptologists do seem to, and I can't even knock them, dude. They do seem to hide a lot of stuff from yeah. other areas of academia and other cultures. Academics they do seem to definitely be suppressing and acting like they don't know some stuff that they do know. Yeah, hundred
0: yeah. percent. Yeah, that was just art, guys. Like I, I don't actually know or think there's an underground pyramid as well but it was fascinating art um that's super cool um on the topic of aliens i explored this on one of my last couple episodes have you ever seen the movie interstellar i have so at the end spoiler alert you know you kind of see that the aliens that were guiding man was man from the future It was the dude that went into the black hole in the Tesseract helping guide it all happen. It makes me think, is it possible aliens are the advanced humans, us, in the future, so highly advanced that we can come back to guide us? Because as we said earlier, time and space, not linear, futures seem to exist if we're getting visions of them and then seeing them later like what do you think about that idea
1: i don't know i mean it's something i've thought about before it's definitely a theory that exists in the in the zeitgeist but like i don't know that shit's above my pay grade dude talking about humans (laughs) and future timelines coming back and and all that jazz and i mean that movie to me feels like a deep ketamine experience like straight up that's what i said when i first saw it i was like wow and uh you know yeah the logistics and mechanics of of all of that are like so beyond human comprehension and our current level of awareness like right. because there's so many like grand grandfather paradoxes and stuff that kick in when you start fucking with prior timelines it's like uh, how, uh, you know, how does that unfold butterfly and, effect shit yeah and you know i don't know i mean yeah, I don't I know tend to, I tend to subscribe to the law of one's notion of the higher self, which would be a six-density kind of oversoul mm-hmm. situation, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that systems of consciousness take on their own consciousness as the systems become integrated and and integrated information like kind of like integrated information theory where as information systems become integrated each system takes on its own conscious awareness and I think this can be seen I was talking actually in the Maloka last week last weekend with and during our ceremony Mm -hmm. um, because you know we do this we do this meditation uh, at night in the swamp once the, once the bugs turn on and it's unbelievably loud and, and envelops your entire being. And we drop in and no one can talk for like an hour and we do this meditation and you just become this sound that you're hearing. And it's a symphony. It's an orchestra of a gazillion different bugs, all emitting... We tend to think of sound as like a two-dimensional thing because that's the way that we visualize it as waves. But in reality, each bug is emitting this information in a three-dimensional sphere, energy expulsion around it. And then each of their acoustic emissions are interacting and creating a wave interference pattern with all of the other emissions from all of the other bugs. And within that wave interference pattern, a system is created of interaction and so when you really drop in and you listen you can act you can actually have a perspective shift which mm-hmm. is instead of this like kind of stale cicada cricket bullfrog kind of sound it actually becomes your awareness starts sweeping the frequency spectrum and it becomes this crazy vowel sound. And instead of being just like a bzz, it starts going like oh wow oh, wow oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. And to me, that tapping into that overarching symphony of information as one thing mm-hmm. is what we would term to be like the spirit of the swamp, right? Because the spirit of the swamp is everything that encompasses all of the life in this area. And so my point in saying that is that's what I mean by like an integrated information system is like that symphony of all of these interacting informations um, takes on an awareness of its own within this theory. Right. And so like that would be the mechanism for like the oversoul or the higher self would be that as a collective. Like that system of collective consciousness is actually also its own autonomous conscious entity, mm-hmm. and so sure because according to the loved one, it exists in sixth density, which is the step right before merger. Right it is yeah. like is like a unified consciousness, almost like a hive mind situation. Like and it exists outside of space time because by virtue of being sixth, sixth density, um, like surely it's it's putting pieces into play and might very well be the manifestation of the human collective unconscious and might very well be the thing that's intelligently organizing all of these synchronicities that we're talking about. Mm. And uh, love that. So I guess relative to interstellar, the way that I would naturally view a phenomenon like that happening isn't one person being able to control things of that nature or people from the future i think what's more likely is a situation like that where it's a higher dimension of intelligence that is basically the sum of its parts operating as one intelligence mm.
0: you think we all have our own tesseract or there's like a one tesseract for humanity you know
1: what do you mean tesseract
0: so the tesseract's what he ends up in as it right. actually goes to the black hole and he can like manipulate events on earth i'm thinking of that as the sixth density self trying to get us to uh you know my thought is we all have our own one and not one orchestrating us
1: all yeah at a at a, at a certain level essentially so w- what raw terms basically like beginning of sixth density it would still be separated and we would essentially have each of our own unique higher selves for lack of a better term. Again, this is just language, but that is essentially defined as like the portion of your beingness that exists at the end of your journey of all of your incarnations of all of your experience. It's Mm -hmm. basically the portion that exists outside of space-time and for which everything has already happened, as difficult as that is to wrap our minds around, and mm. then moving up into the upper levels of sixth density. Because remember, all of these densities have sub-densities too. Each one has seven sub-densities, has seven sub-densities, on forever. Mm. Okay. Moving into the upper ecleon of sixth density, um, those things become one, and and, mm. and it, it is like a collective consciousness.
0: Damn so dope wow love that visualization i need to pair like the interstellar visuals with the clip of that (laughs) so dope well dude we hit some amazing topics Uh, the only one left i have is uh talking about your new music your new album you know what can you share what are you working on and what's the intention and the vibes coming forth for the new savage album i'm so stoked
1: it's gonna be dope dude i'm not gonna say the name of it yet but i am gonna um I can say that, like you know, for this one, I, I pulled from numerous cultures, and each one, each track has a, a, its own distinct cultural vibe that I uh, I used either vocals or instrumentation or some chants or any kind of ikaro, whatever, uh, from a specific culture. Obviously, I kind of do the signature, like kind of melting pot thing, mm-hmm. but it also, for this one, for this project, really focuses on each individual one having its own kind of cultural context. And I used cultures that each, um, have a deep shamanic or deep, deeply rooted spiritual tradition that seems to point at some kind of common origin in far prehistory. Right. Right. So it's like, so, but each track has its own kind of distinct cultural vibe for this one. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I'm stoked on it. Uh, You know, a couple of the tracks I played in my Envision set, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, a a lot of them I didn't. And, you know, still wrapping it up. We're looking at um, a fall release. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say when just yet, but yeah. And actually, I will have a single releasing from it in July. So check that out. Um, Yeah, that's going to be super dope. And I'm stoked to get it out there dang,
0: super, super stoked on that. You know, uh, if there's anything I can do to help, any premieres or sharing, you know, keep me posted. Can't wait. Um, I wanted to say this before I forgot, which is how you were talking about those alien, uh, aliens, the bugs um, making the wow, wow, and, and the orbs of sound. I, start, I started thinking about throat singing <clears> throat> and, throat> I learned about it through you and I've been practicing for years um, ever since you taught me like the initial you know how to get the motor going and in visionary states that I've been in in medicine states like I feel like I can see that happening some type of auric charge when I'm throw singing it's just like sending like pulses out you've seen the frog sitting in the water doing his little humming and the cymatics Imagine it's the air, though. You know, like what would you say yeah. about that before we close the conversation? Down?
1: That's exactly what's happening. Okay. I mean that's what yeah. happens when we when we keep any tone at a certain frequency or any any given frequency. I don't mean a specific one. It's like when you're resonating a tone like that, it, you're creating that bubble of that resonance around you in three dimensions. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's no different than that frog at all. Uh, yeah. What's his name, man? Why can't I think? There's a there is a um, Samuel Ferrand, oh, a visionary yeah. artist. I'm he has this piece called I think it's called I think it's just called Ikoro. Yeah. and it's this it's this really psychedelic visionary art piece of like a, a corandero like singing an Icaro, and within the air you see the Icaro as those shapibo patterns in 3D. It's like a 3D projection of those Shipibo icaro patterns and it's wow. like that's what that's how I envision and how I see icaros being sung in ayahuasca ceremony like right. you can you can sensorially experience sound in a totally different way again like our brain at baseline neurochemistry operates in a very compartmentalized manner so it's like you know, synesthesia is, is not, it's not, not necessarily what you want in your average everyday waking life at baseline. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. but when you experience it, you can start to see the amalgamation of what our sensory input is really built and separated from. And it's really Mm -hmm. just this like just sea of frequencies of different types of waves, you know, obviously sound and light waves are different. Light waves are called transverse electromagnetic waves and sound waves are called longitudinal acoustic waves. And, you know, they're, they're based on different things, but ultimately it's still information being communicated through some medium. Right. Mm -hmm. So.
0: But would throw singing make a different visual than like a, ha?
1: I would imagine I love throat singing. When I'm on like when yeah. I'm on a visual psychedelic, it, it definitely alters my internal visions, like for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Not in the same way every time, but it causes shit to happen, like for yeah. for sure, yeah thousand percent and you just feel it in your body dude i mean throat singing is so special because it really stimulates your vagus nerve and it like really causes your chest cavity to resonate in a way that doesn't when you speak so for me it just feels good too like you don't just you you're not just emitting the vibration into the air but you're emitting it through your own system as well yeah totally
0: yeah actually i just remembered the first time my throat sang i was on a mushroom ceremony And it just came to me. I was just trying to make a low note. I was just trying to make a low note. And then I slipped into it. And I was like, whoa, what was that? And I could do it again. But the next day, I couldn't do it. And I could never do it again. I could only do it on the mushrooms. Until you taught me how to do them, start it up. You know what I mean? So, it was like a mushroom taught me. But then you told me how to do it off the mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) So, That's awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time today, Donnie. Um, how can we invite people, you know, to follow you, listen to your podcast and, uh, listen to your music and all that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just savage S A V E J on all platforms. Uh, you know, whatever Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, all the jazz. And, uh, yeah, my podcast is called the ancient futurist. Um, you can find it through my Spotify as well, uh, down in my featured playlist, and uh yeah but it's on apple Podcasts and spotify video on spotify audio on apple Podcasts, and uh yeah i have some interesting guests and some interesting conversations uh, we talk about a lot of the same stuff that you and i talked about today mm-hmm. uh but uh yeah it's a, it's a vibe absolutely
0: all right brother well thanks again for being here and thank all of you guys for listening we'll see you on the next episode yeah man all right we'll chat soon chat soon brother